This is this is this is a blessing to have this opportunity. I appreciate the pastor asking me to preach tonight's service. Of course, he ran out of preachers, and <laughs> he got he got down to me. <laughs> so, but no, he didn't. He don't feel that way. Um, but I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the Lord allowing this, and I appreciate uh, Pastor Davis for uh, asking me. And and it's just it's just uh, such a blessing to me to have an opportunity, and it is an opportunity, um, to preach God's word. And uh, and we appreciate all y'all. Um, not that not that you had much choice about it, but all y'all having us, and uh, we appreciate that. But I would say, well, as as we're um, Getting started, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, I think. And uh, we're going to be a part of chapter 3 and then, and then in chapter 4 as well. And then we're going to look at some other scripture as well. And if nothing else, we'll let the Word preach the Word tonight. And um, I appreciate your prayers. Just uh, pray pray that the, that the Lord would be glorified and the Lord would have His will and have His way. And uh, pray for me as I seek the Lord and as I uh, uh, preach His Word and, and allow God to take us where He wants us to go. And but if, we, if you have your Bibles here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, let's look first at... Uh, um, Well, it's, it's, we're just, we're just, I'm not going to read the whole book, but, but anyway, let's start with verse 6. I think it's where we should start. And we're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4, but in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 6, the Word of God says, Who also hath made us able ministers? Well, let me back up a little bit to, to a couple of verses just just so we have the context of what's going on here. And let's start with verse 1, actually. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, the Word of God says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And in verse 6, the Word of God says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of the righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, 
by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the reading of the Old Testament, which, is, which, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And then in chapter 4, the Word of God says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, For Jesus' sake, for God who commended the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for... Uh, for your word, and we thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, and Lord, be with us in these next few minutes, Lord, as we preach your word, dear God, I pray, dear God, that you just fill me with your spirit tonight, and anoint me with your Holy Spirit to preach your word tonight, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come by and help us tonight, and do those things that only you can do, dear Lord, realizing, Lord, that, that unless you, the Holy Spirit, comes by and helps us. There'll be no preaching tonight because we need you, Lord. We need you tonight. We need you like we've never ever needed you ever before, dear Lord. And we need you more day by day, moment by moment, Lord. We need you. Uh, we need you in our life, and we need you to do. Uh, we need you to help us to be what you'd have us to be, and to do those things that you'd have us to do. And Lord, we'll, we'll thank you, Lord, for what you'll do and what you'll accomplish. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory for all you'll do. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And I realize that's a lot of scripture to read, but I just wanted to read all of that so we would have a good context of, of where, um, where we're going here tonight. But in, uh, as we look there, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we look at um, verses 6 through 16, Paul here is speaking about the law. And, and as we look there in the, in the bottom there, uh, around verse 13 and where the word of God says and not as well it says seeing then that we have such a such hope and we use great plainness of speech 
and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth, uh, this, remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses has read the veil is upon their heart, you know, as we look at those verses and we think about uh, the Jewish people and the um, really the, even today, it's like they have a veil upon their hearts where they don't, um, uh, well, they were looking for the Messiah to come, which the Messiah has come in the Lord Jesus Christ. But a lot of them, now there are some Jews that have been saved. By the grace of God. And, and so, you know, we refer to them a lot of times as completed Jews. Uh, but then also, as we look across the page to uh, chapter 4, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But as it says over here in, um, in verse 4, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's okay. It says, in whom, well, it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so that's exactly uh, how it is. I mean, the, the devil, uh, he, he wants to blind the minds of those that would believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those where the Holy Spirit of God would want to convict that heart and show the way of salvation and point their way to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, he's the one you need to get to. But the devil, he's... Uh, he, well, just like it says over in Peter, where he's like a roaring uh, lion that seeketh whom he may devour. And of course, he wants to devour all of us, but he wants to, he doesn't want anybody to get saved. And then, of course, once we get saved, he wants to do everything he can to, to defeat us and tear us down and keep us from being everything that God would, would have us to be. But as you look over there in chapter three, and it talks about how the minds are blinded. And again, in chapter four, uh, you know, and, and so, uh, and that's exactly what the devil wants to do. And there's those, those minds are blinded and they need, they need, need God just like we needed God. But as we look here, as we look here and, and Paul begins to speak about the law there in verses, uh, in chapter three, verses six through 16. But we look at that and the law, as, as it tells us here, we, we know that the law couldn't, it couldn't give life. And the letter of the law, and it talks about the letter of the law, uh, but it meant death. It was, uh, it was our, but then as we look over there in Galatians, as we want to turn, you can, or you can just listen over in Galatians chapter three and verse 24. The word of God says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But then also in, uh, in uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 12, uh, the word of God says, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. And so the law, we, we, don't, we don't live under the law anymore. But we live by the principles of the law. And a lot of people would want to say, well, that's Old Testament. We don't need that. But we still live by the principle of those, of that law. But then, uh, uh, the law was, and of course the law was perfect because God is perfect. Okay. And so, um, 
But it, it lacked the spirit. It talks about over here in, in chapter three about uh, about the spirit. But it lacked the spirit. And but there was also there was no mercy. The problem, but the problem was not with God. The problem was with us because we couldn't we couldn't live under a perfect law because we're not perfect. God is perfect, but we're not perfect, and so we we needed uh, the Spirit. But then that's um, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came. And then in in chapter in Second Corinthians chapter three verse seventeen and through uh, chapter four verse two, the Word of God says. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves in every, every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came in, verse, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. If we could look there for a few minutes. Um, we, may, we may read a lot of scripture here tonight, but like I said earlier, we'll just let the word preach the word. And uh, let the Holy Spirit of God direct our hearts. But over in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus said this. He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. That's exactly what he didn't come. Jesus didn't come to, to do away with the law or destroy the law, but he came that he might fulfill the law. And then as we see in uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14. Very familiar scripture, but it says. Uh, actually, backing up to verse 11, the word of God says he came into his own and his own received him not, but. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so through the law, there was no mercy and no grace and that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came, that we might have mercy and that we might have truth and that we might have grace. But, but uh, then, you know, Paul in those first several verses was speaking about the law, but then he speaks about the Lord as we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verses 17 through chapter 4 and verse, um, and verse 2. And so as we look here, as we, I want to read this scripture again in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 3. It says, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And so that veil, as maybe we witness or, or somebody might hear some preaching or teaching from the Word of God, and we share the gospel with, with, with others, 
then that veil, as they believe, that veil is removed away. And we might, you know, we might be dealing with somebody that that is maybe a God hater, a God denier, or maybe they claim to be an atheist. I work with a man that that claims to be an atheist, but I see things every once in a while, uh, things he'll say. Like one day, we, I forget exactly what the situation was, but he made the remark. He said, well, God knows. And I said, I said, boy, that's a strange expression from somebody that claims to be an atheist. Somebody that claims they don't believe in God at all. But, you know, I think what the problem is, the problem is more with us than it is with them because they need to see something real in our life. They need to see the Lord Jesus Christ working in and through us that, that they would, would see something that they need. And a lot of times we, we don't um, show ourselves to be what God would have us to be, you know. And, of course, that's, that's our fault, but that, that's because we need to be closer to God. And we need to allow God to, to work in our hearts and, and do that, that we can be exactly what he wants us to be and that we can do what he would have us to do. But this veil... And if you, if you notice here, it's spelt V-A-I-L. And I never noticed this till I started reading through these scriptures in this last week. But it was like a veil, like, like if you can imagine a veil that was over somebody's eyes and they can't see. They can't see because of that veil. But then there was another veil that I want us to look at. If we'll look over into Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Actually, I want to back up to uh, verse 45, I think. But over here in Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 45, the Word of God says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama thabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because we know that that God the Father could not look upon sin. And Jesus took the sin of the whole world. He took your sin. He took my sin as He was uh, uh, went to that old regular cross to bleed and to die and to purchase our salvation and pay that debt that He didn't owe, but a debt that we could surely not pay. Okay? But darkness fell over the land and because God the Father couldn't look at that sin... But as Jesus was saying this, he was saying, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? And then some of them there, they, it says they, they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And verse 48 says, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost, and look at verse 51, which is really where I want to go here. And it says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And so that veil, it says, was rent from top to the bottom. So at that moment, when the Lord Jesus Christ, when he gave up the ghost, and that veil of that temple, it 
was rent like this. And you can almost imagine as, as God the Father rent that veil and that veil came down about like this. You could almost think of the fact that that probably looked like a V, looked like a victory. And it was victory because of what the Lord Jesus Christ had done for us. And when, as we got saved, what God did for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I want to look in Hebrews. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verses 19 through 25. And Hebrews chapter... 10, verse 19 through 25, beginning with verse 19. The Word of God says, Having therefore, brethren, holiness, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, I'll go ahead and read these other verses, and we'll get back to those in a second. But it says, um, having a high priest, which was the Lord Jesus Christ, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And so, you know, John Phillips refers to these, these two, these verses here, the first part, verses 19 and 20, he reverse, he refers to that as a, as a great reality, which it is a great reality, but the Lord Jesus Christ as our great high priest, not just a high priest, but the great high priest, he was able to go beyond that veil that we might be saved. And he's able to do something no high priest has ever been able to do. He's able to take us with him that we might be saved by the grace of God and have a personal relationship with him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as we look in uh, verses, um, but I mean, it's, a, it's a, an access that we have to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and we can have boldness to go through and, to, and to, to be saved by the grace of God. But then just real quickly here in the last part of that, uh, John Phillips calls this a great responsibility, which it is a great responsibility that we have. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience that our bodies washed with pure water. And so, this, we can look at that as a responsibility Godward. And then on verse 23, where it says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised that we can have faith in God, that he's going to do what he said he would do. And so we have a, a responsibility to Godward, and then we have a responsibility inward. But then finally in verse 23, or 24 rather, it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, which, which as the things are waxing worse and worse all the time. And we're going to, we need God, but we also need each other. 
And so, um, but as we look at this, we, we see really God giving us a, a really a special invitation that we might come to him and have access to him. And then, then I want to look in Romans chapter 5. Where the word of God is starting with verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience and, ex- and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And then in verse 8, the Word of God says, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He reconciled us to God because we didn't have no way to get to God. We didn't know how to get to God. But, but the Lord Jesus Christ, when He was dying on that cross, He reached one hand down to man and another hand up to God and He was able to bring us together and, and bring us to God and show us how that we could get to God. And so we see, as we've read through these verses that we've already read. Paul speaks first about the law over in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. And then he speaks about the Lord. But then he speaks about, as we look back look at, back in 2 Corinthians, we see how Paul, um, Paul speaks about the loss as we look at chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. It says, uh, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world uh, hath, hath blinded the, the minds of them who believe not, the minds of them which believe, believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency, the excellency of, the power, of the power may be of God and not of us. And as we look back, as we read chapter or verse 5 over in chapter 3, it says, not that our that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And, the, but, and so really, the, as we look at that, you know, the battle's not ours. The battle's God, God's. And so uh, the power, as it says in verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so 
So really the treasure that God is um, talking about, really the treasure is the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's, he, he, he uses us as earthen vessels that, you know, God could have done it any way he wanted to. He could have had a band of angels to come down and give out the gospel. I mean, he did use some, some angels before, like when Gabriel met with the shepherds there, there as we read in, about Christmas and stuff. But God wanted to use us. Um, and so as we look here in... Um, Losing my place here. But then as we look look here, you know, God wants to use us. God wants to use us as vessels that He can use, that we can take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. In over in first first Thessalonians chapter two and verse four. Here's what Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, But as, as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And so, well, what a blessing that is, that God would allow us to give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, He doesn't have to, but He wants to. And then as we look over there in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, it says we are, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, as, as we move on, uh, it says we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always deliver, delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you, we have the same we having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And as we look at these verses where Paul is really talking about his life and he's talking about how all the things that he went through that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ could be presented. And you think about... Um, uh, I just want to back up just a little bit and look just briefly. And uh, br briefly don't mean a whole lot to preachers usually, but uh, uh, and evidently not tonight either. But over here as we look into uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 26, I'm going to start with verse 12. I just want to read this to make a point that we need to make. 
It says, whereupon, as I went to Damascus, this is Paul speaking, with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king. This is when he was talking to King Agrippa. He was witnessing to the king. He was witnessing to King Agrippa. And he was, he was, he was bearing his heart and telling him what God had done in his life, which is really the best, you know, that's the best kind of witnessing tool we can use. A lot of times we think we have to, and it's good to know scripture and it's good to know those things. And, um, but one of the best witnessing tools there is, is to tell somebody what happened to us the day that God saved us, how the Holy Spirit of God came our way and showed us our lost condition because we have to be lost before we can get saved. But it took the Holy Spirit of God to show us our lost condition and point our way to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and show us that it was Jesus that we needed to get to. But as we look here, uh, Paul, it says, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for me to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? He recognized it was the Lord speaking to him. And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And then, he, and then Jesus said this, he said, but rise and stand upon Thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, and they that they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then Paul said this to King Agrippa. He said, after telling him what God had done in his life on that road to Damascus, he said, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them in Damascus, of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. And you know, as I think about that, and as I think about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it talks about a ministry that God has given to us, a ministry that we might minister to God, but that we could minister to others and share the gospel and tell others what God has done in our life. But the thing that caught my attention, which I've read this passage over in Acts 26 a hundred times or more, but as Paul was witnessing to King Agrippa and what he said right here, as we just read, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And as I think about that, as I think about my life, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my in my mind and in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, how many times have I been been disobedient to the heavenly vision that you've given me, and I failed you, and I've not done those things that I should have done, and maybe I had an opportunity to give out the gospel. Maybe, and you know, I heard somebody say a long time ago said, you know, that they they quit. Uh, praying for God to give them 
opportunities, but yet they began to pray that God would would help them to use the opportunities that He was already giving them. And that's boy, that's certainly the truth. Because God gives us opportunities every day. Somebody, something will be said or something will be done. And the problem is a lot of times I'm not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I need to be. Because if I was, I would see that and I would realize it was God, the Holy Spirit that was coming my way and saying, there's a man here, or there's a lady here that needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would be trying to maybe speak to my heart and maybe I would let it go by because I wasn't as close to God as I needed to be. And so what I want to do in my life is I want to be, I want to be obedient to that heavenly vision that God has given me, that I would be exactly what God would have me to be and that I would do exactly what God would have me to do. And of course, that's the right order. We need to be what God wants us to be first. Before, until we can be, until we're, we be what, until we will be what God would have us to be, we can't do what He would have us to do. He, would, he might come by and be, there's something, a work that He would have us to do, but we're not, we're not close enough to Him that we, that we can hear His voice. And, but then as we get back over here into 2 Corinthians, um, we look at here and we look at all these, um, um, these ways that, that Paul suffered. There again, he said, we are troubled on every side, not distressed, but we are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down and not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And I thought about this. I thought about a preacher over in Bulgaria. And he's dead now. His name's Alexander. You know, I thought about this and I thought it was worth sharing with you. Brother Branson mentioned the time that we were over in Macedonia as missionaries and we're not bringing any, we're not trying to bring any glory to us. But there was an opportunity I had to meet this man, Alexander. And he was, he was preaching. He he planted no telling how many, how many hundreds, maybe even thousands of churches over in Serbia and over in, in, in Bulgaria. And he planted all of these churches and he was, he, he went through, a, he went through some persecution. Most of us have not gone through persecution and maybe we will one day. I think we probably will as this world waxes worse and worse. But as he was preaching the gospel and then he got arrested many times and they hung him upside down and they would take these rods and they would beat him in his back and they would beat him on the bottom of his feet. And they warn him like just like in the in Acts, and we we see where they told Peter uh, to 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 not to preach the gospel anymore. But Alexander is exactly what he would do. He would they would beat him. They had him in prison, and then he would go back to to preaching the gospel and starting another church. Then also we we actually got to meet him, and but in his home, and uh, I just want to say a couple things, and we'll be done. But uh, but anyway. He showed, they showed me their bookshelf there. And there was a, there was a book there that was, I forget which one it was that Charles Darwin had wrote, but it was a book of, uh, of Charles, the cover was Charles Darwin. And, uh, and he said, open it up, open it up. I want you to see this. And so we opened it up and it was the Bulgarian Bible hidden inside of that cover for a book by Charles Darwin. And what had happened many, many times, 
the police would come in there. They would throw people around. They would beat them up. They would burn any Christian books or any Bibles they could find. And they would, they would be put under this persecution during that, those moments. And then as those police left, they would take that book back off the shelf and they would preach the Word of God and have a service. And I'm thinking when I met him, and even today as I think back on, on what, how God used him in a mighty way, I thought about, boy, you know, I've never been through that kind of persecution. I've never had here in America up until this point, we've not been persecuted like that. But that in a third world country, uh, they have been. and But they kept preaching the word of God and starting churches and doing all those things. But, but you know, we, we haven't gone through that kind of persecutions. We, we may have, one of these days, we may go through some persecution. And, but, and then also, you know, there's things that God allows in our life that a lot of times we want to say, Lord, why? You know, we ask those questions. There's nothing wrong with asking why, but but God allows things in our life, really, so so He can receive glory because He knows what He needs in our life. He knows what He wants us to do and His plan for our life. But it's also so that others um, can see how God is working in our life and how we might sometimes react or or um, uh, respond to you know and and, and not. You know, sometimes I have the wrong attitude. Like some, sometimes God, maybe he's trying to do some things and he's trying to draw me unto himself that I might be more, that number one, that I'd be closer to him. But number two, that I would be more of what he needs me to be. So maybe he's got something for me in my life and Jeanette's life that he, there's something he would have us to do. And maybe I'm too busy having an attitude or or getting critical or saying, you know, why is this happening? Instead of looking to God, but then realizing this, that there's other people that are no doubt looking at our lives and saying, you know what, their, their God must be real. Because people need to look at our life and see some of the things that we're going through, though it's hard a hard place to be in, but that they might be able to look at our life and say, you know what, that's the kind of God I need. I need a God that I can, that I know is real. Just like we were talking about Hebrews a while ago about where I said, made the statement that John Phillips talked about that uh, being a great reality in the Lord Jesus Christ as he went to that cross to, to, to die for us that we might be saved and have a personal relationship with him. And so my desire for me and for all of us really is that we could be what God would have us to be and so that we can do what God would have us to do. I appreciate your patience. I know it's been long. I didn't mean for it to be quite this long, but God has burned this stuff in my heart this week and I had so much I was wanting to tell and maybe I should have preached one message instead of three.